Welcome to the NPS MedicineWise podcast, helping health professionals stay up to date with the latest news and evidence about medicines and medical tests. A message for our listeners. This podcast episode contains some sensitive material and mentions sexual assault. If this content raises any concerns for you, we have included some phone numbers at the end of the episode. Hello and welcome to the MPS Medicine Wise podcast. I'm Anna, a Sydney-based GP and medical advisor at NPS Medicine Wise. You might recall I recently hosted a podcast where I interviewed Cara Joyce, our clinical lead on the Dementia and Change Behaviours program, and we spoke of some of the challenges faced by health professionals in the aged care space. Today, we're going to we're going to explore this topic a bit further. Uh, but through the patient's perspective, and I'm so pleased to welcome Teresa Flavin. Hi, Teresa. Hi, Anna. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Teresa. Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, perhaps uh, to kick us off, I thought it might be a good idea to tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Um, my name's Teresa. I am about. I think I'm around 55 years old. I, sorry, I get a bit confused with numbers. I've had dementia for, I, I think, maybe around seven years or so. So I'm very fortunate that I got diagnosed very young, fortunate or unfortunate. But it gave me an opportunity to have a few years of a heads up, I guess, for myself and the family to make some preparations and, I guess, come to terms with um, what's going on. I have a 16-year-old daughter and a whole lot of grandchildren and a whole lot of animals. Oh, lovely. Look, thanks for that. Um, would you mind telling us a little bit more about how your dementia was diagnosed and by who? It was a, a convoluted story, actually, because um, I had noticed something not right, uh, you know, at work primarily for, you know, a few years. It was getting harder and harder to keep track of just very, very small things like email lists. So um, I mentioned to the GP and they thought it was possibly um, an early menopause or then I wasn't very satisfied with that because the tests came back that it wasn't. Um, then we moved on to maybe it was depression. So I visited a lot of um, psychiatrists and psychologists and <clears throat> didn't have any depression. And um, so it kind of went from there and ultimately... I was finding it really hard to be taken seriously. I think because I was a middle-aged woman, it's it's quite abnormal to really think dementia when someone presents to you um, with memory difficulties. So eventually I found um, a GP who knew me through my professional career, the work GP, and she knew me through a different lens. She knew me as a confident competent professional woman coming to her with memory troubles and she was immediately concerned so she referred me to a neuropsychiatrist a neuropsychiatrist did the tests was able to compare those tests to the tests that I did um, there are sort of neuropsych tests that you do for employment purposes and she was able to um, track the decline <clears throat> take that data to a neurologist and it was very clear that um, it was a dementia uh, clinical diagnosis and that was then backed up by the imaging. 
Mm. That's yeah. It sounds like you you had quite a difficult and challenging time for a number of years. Mm. Mm. So exactly was it? I think the the hardest part was not being taken seriously and really feeling myself as if there was something the matter with me that no one else could see or really believe, and um, that I was. Uh, I, I don't know. It was re- it was a very depressing time. I wasn't depressed. I was feeling very low, I would mm. say. Well, I'm glad to hear that you had such a strong therapeutic relationship with that GP um, and that sort of made all the difference. Um, mm. So, Teresa, you've mentioned you, you've been diagnosed with dementia and as you, as you know, uh, many patients living with dementia will experience uh, what we call changed behaviour uh, and that which can include things such as anger, anxiety, frustration, uh, sleep trouble and so forth uh, at some stage uh, during their illness. Um, can you tell us if that's happened to you at all? And if so, what, what's that been like? What have you experienced? Mm, sure. Well, I was thinking about this this morning, actually. And um, you do, of course, you do get changed behaviours. And from the outside, the medical people will say, yes, it's the disease that's damaging your brain, you know, and so forth. Mm. And that's absolutely true from the inside how it actually feels is that you've lost everything that makes you you you've lost your career you've lost your position in the family you've lost your autonomy you've lost you can't drive anywhere you don't have any money you don't have anything really except for your ability to still live and breathe so that's um it's it's essentially like being put in prison for a crime that you didn't commit. Now, if you were any of you were put in those situations, you would probably have a lot of feelings, you know, rage, grief, despair, anger, you know, self-disgust, all of those things. And you'd love to think that you would be able to express those genuine feelings. But when someone with dementia expresses feelings that are actually genuine, that have a basis, they're real. Suddenly they're labelled as acting out or behaviours and they're medicated away. What I actually think is that from the outside, people have a lot of compassion for dementia. They think, gosh, it's probably the worst thing to have in the world, you know, and they have a lot of empathy and kindness. However, when a person with dementia actually displays this, it makes people very uncomfortable because it suddenly becomes very real. And I think, to be perfectly honest, displays of emotion in our society are are really uncomfortable. And that's, to me, the root cause of a lot of why we medicate these things away. Mm. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that for a second. There aren't sometimes people who genuinely do have a very specific disorder which makes them act particularly violently or dangerously. That's quite a different matter. What I'm talking about here today are the very normal human expressions of fear, loss, loneliness, grief, despair. And having dementia is really scary. Every day you don't quite know where you are. 
you don't know who's with you, you don't know if you're at home, you don't know if you're safe. And if you were, everyone was logical and we were all in a perfect world, I would say to you, today I don't feel safe. Will you give me a hug or a high five or a elbow bump? When your brain is broken, your brain will try really hard to express what it needs to express. But if the path from I feel fear to the words I feel fear is broken, you might just get um, I hate you might come out as the brain is trying really hard to express something. And I think it's like a a train where the train tracks are a bit broken. The bridge between the feeling and the expression is gone. So I wouldn't call what we're discussing today is changed behaviours. I would probably prefer to call it changed expression. The expression you get on the outside doesn't always reflect what you feel on the inside, but very likely it expresses pain. Thank you so much for sharing that, Teresa. That's very eye-opening. I mean, it sounds, uh, what I'm taking away is that it's really just your way of trying to communicate and, and it's sort of uh, the onus is on others to also take time to try and understand what you're trying to say. So, what have you, what have you found most helpful in those situations? Most helpful is, is honestly, there's very little I can do because the feeling's there and the expression is there. The helpful thing is if other people will allow me to express myself. And it's almost like you have to be given permission again to be a normal human being or even act like one because it's most of us have a free pass. We can behave how we want within social constraints. However, with dementia, there's this sort of hope, I think, that people will be stoic and just sit quietly. And when you don't, you know, they want to sort of close you down because it's noisy and it's it's unsociable. The behaviours I would probably label as unsociable. Mm. People can help by giving you some space, by just allowing you to have some feelings and allowing you to express your feelings. And at the very most basic level, all the person with dementia wants to know is that they're safe. They probably just can't ask it and don't know how or can't anymore, but that's really what you need. Try really hard to allow us to make noise if we need to, allow us to walk if we need to. Sometimes And I'll give an example. People talk about wandering and it's a label that I don't like because when I feel pain, I don't recognize it anymore. It doesn't prompt me to do the same action as it would do to maybe you or someone else. So when I fell off my horse, I had a lot of back pain, but I didn't quite recognize that it was pain, but I found myself walking a lot. And When my family actually took the time to ask me what was going on, we discovered that I was trying to walk away from the pain because the pain was in my back, so my brain was propelling me forward. And um, it makes perfect sense when someone explains it to you, but unless someone is able to still explain and someone's open to listening, there's actually some clues there in what you would call the behaviours. So take some time to actually look through a different lens of what the person might be trying to communicate. 
It's kind of like having a different language that isn't written anywhere. Be kind, you know, and just help us to feel safe. Hmm. And Teresa, what, what's your take on um, medicines being used to, I guess, mask some of these expressions? Mm. Well, I have um, I have a take on that. And um, with the proviso that there are certain instances for safety and security that medicines may be appropriate. But putting that to the side for the general terms, I will, for the purposes of today, I'll tell you what it feels like to be given the medicine. Um, I was in hospital. I'd fallen off the horse again. And... Um, what happened was I was in a lot of pain and one of the nurses came up behind the bed and moved the bed up to a seated position, but without telling me in advance. So I was sort of yelling out because it was really, it was just physically painful and a bit of a shock. And I guess, and you'll understand this, with dementia, you don't have the same filter. So maybe beforehand I would have gone, ouch, I was like, ah. So when that happened, um, the nurse got a bit defensive, and which was okay. You know, I didn't really care. I just wanted her to stop moving the bed. But she went to the students who were at the end of the bed and explained that this was a typical presentation of BPSD and um, that uh, aggression was quite normal and to be expected. And I was with my 16-year-old daughter who was um, who I was feeling after that a lot more aggressive than I was, that's for sure, because it's a bit um, mm. uh, patronizing, to say the least, to be labeled for, as I explained before, genuine expressions of pain or feelings shouldn't be labeled as anything other than what they are as an expression. But as a result of that, I was given some medicine and... Um, didn't know what it was. It's just medicine. I assumed it was for pain. Now, when you have dementia, dementia a lot of the time is, I don't know if you've ever had one of those terrible dreams where you are dreaming and you wake up and you don't know where you are and you think, gosh, have I had a whole lot to drink? How did I get here? What What's happened? That's what dementia feels like. Now, imagine being drunk and someone gives you the keys of the car and says, you have to go down to the shops and you've got to put all your kids in the car and drive there. And you're saying, "I oh, I don't feel good about this. And then someone says, well, here, have some more drinks. You'll be fine. That's what it's like to have someone medicate you. It's like having dementia squared. It just, every symptom of dementia is magnified. So all of the fear and the inability to tell you where you are in time and space is just, it just disappears. Any little tenuous string that you have to reality is severed and you're just set adrift by someone. And I can't honestly think to the depths of my heart anything that is more cruel to someone with dementia than to give them a dementia pill. It's just it's appalling to me just for their convenience. So, yes, yeah, so strong words, but that's how it feels to take this medicine. You just feel like you're giving a drunk person absence. It's dreadful. 
Please don't. I think you've summed that up perfectly, Teresa. So what would what would what would be your advice for health professionals in caring for a person with dementia? Look, my advice is I it's really difficult. I've cared for my mother in law. So I'm not just sitting looking at this from one side of a coin. I've been on both sides now. And it's really challenging sometimes and some of the repetitive things that go on and that type of thing and sometimes behaviors that you would think are aggressive and name calling and shouting out and all that sort of thing it's really difficult on a personal level to deal with and i appreciate that i deeply do however what i would say that none of this is personal it's really not like i explained before what comes out of your mouth or out of your body by way of smacking away or that sort of thing, it's an expression of the insecurity and the self-loathing that you're feeling inside of your soul. You're actually, every day you wake up, you don't know if your belongings are still yours. You don't know if your home is still yours. Is this person coming to steal your belongings? You've got this fear, Nothing is. nothing's right. So you could be smacking someone away because you genuinely think they're coming to steal my shoes. It, that's how it feels in your brain. It sounds ridiculous, but when you live it, that's how it feels. So for especially for an older person that perhaps grew up and lived a lot of their lives with lack in their lives that maybe people of our generation wouldn't have experienced to much extent, their possessions and their personal space are super important to them. And particularly if you've had um, institutionalization, I was raised in an orphanage. Um, if you've had uh, abuse or child sexual abuse, I've had both. So when someone touches my body without an introduction, I, I freak out and flap around and there's all kinds of things going on. And I can still speak to you very rationally. Now, in a year's time, I may not be able to, but I can guarantee you I'll still be flapping around at a strange person who comes to try and, you know, put me in the shower. So what I would say is give us a reason to feel safe. Number one, every single time you approach the person with dementia, give them courtesy, common courtesy, because they probably don't remember who you are. And if they do, it's still kind to be courteous, introduce themselves, give them a reason to feel safe around you and their things. And you will possibly find that if you can build some kind of a trust, this doesn't have to be verbal, it can be eye contact, it can be very gentle touch. There's a whole lot of ways every person's individual, but it's certainly, we wouldn't care for our newborns, or our children, or our children with a disability, or adults with a disability, any other disability in the way that we think of people with dementia. So I would say for care professionals, if you had someone who you knew had a good intellect, who had a purposeful life, who was suddenly had an acquired disability, you would still treat them with a lot of respect. Please continue. Mm. Teresa, that's you've been so incredibly insightful. Um, 
I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, we're coming up to the end of our podcast and I just wanted to say I know our listeners will really appreciate your, your time. Um, I certainly do. Uh, we don't often have this opportunity to to really get a sense for what it feels like to be the person, I guess, behind that label or behind that illness. So, thank you so much. Um, and look, if anyone listening has any questions about or suggestions for our future podcasts, or if you have any other questions, please do get in touch with us. Uh, you can reach out via our website or via Twitter or LinkedIn. Uh, you may already be aware, but we also have a Dementia and Changed Behaviours program uh, currently uh, being run through MPS Medicine Wise. So if you're interested uh, in finding out more information about how you can improve your practice or how you can help patients like Teresa, uh, please jump on our website as well and have a look. Uh, thanks again. If this podcast episode has raised any concerns for you or a loved one, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or contact 1800RESPECT, the National Sexual Assault Domestic and Family Violence Counselling Service on 1800 737 732. For more information about the safe and wise use of medicines, visit the NPS Medicine Wise website at nps.org.au.